Okay, thanks, sound and media people. You guys are, you guys are awesome. No one ever like thanks you, and you guys are. You know, the thing is about sound and media is that like if um, if the service is great, like nobody notices, but then if like something goes off, then they notice, right? And so it's kind of it's. Anyways, thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Hey, we're in a series in Genesis. Going back to the beginning, all the foundations, all the, all the things that, you know, when um, in, in Genesis, you got you know, the first 11 chapters are, are all of these things that really just lay, lay foundations for original design. It shows you, you know, that, that word we don't want to talk about, sin, right? You know, we don't want to, you know, we're just going, eh, you know, what's that, you know? And, but it, it's real, it's there, and it came into play right in the book of of Genesis, and we see um, the, how it, it destroys things, but we also see God's plan, and we see hope in the midst of all this. And, and so just a brief look back like we do um, every week, just because the, the reason why we look back every week on this book is because um, it's a whole story. And, and Moses is um, um, being dictated to by God a lot of this stuff and just say, hey, Moses, write this down. He's trying to keep up. And so we, we want to we understand that also from the perspective that maybe Moses was just sitting down with all the, the Israelites, you know, camped around, and he's just sharing some of the, the story of how we got here. They were, you know, they were on their way. They, were, they had left Egypt. They were, they were um, in the wilderness. They were headed towards promised land. And maybe some of them were like, like, man, this is getting hard. Like, this is crazy. What's going on? How did we get here? And Moses is like, well, I've got the answer. Let me tell you how you got here. Let me tell you all this stuff. And so you have, what you have to understand is it wasn't a scientific book. And we've said that. Have we said that like every week? It wasn't a science, just because I just want you to know it wasn't a science book. There's science in it, but it wasn't designed that way. It wasn't written that way. It wasn't even just an exhaustive history of the world. It was a family history. And so this family history book is what Moses is writing because he wants them to understand where they came from. Genesis chapter 1, we talked about how God is big and he spoke everything into existence. And I won't tell you my joke that I say every week about that. You can, you can go back and listen to it. I mean, it's still, I, I think it's funny. But My wife says I say the same jokes over and over again, so I'm stopping, stopping right now. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, we talked about the way God originally designed it. And, and it was, it, it's a great picture. Genesis 2, like, oh, this is the way it was supposed to be, right? And then I've told you, you know what? We can actually um, come into agreement with the way it was supposed to be. We can actually declare the way it was supposed to be over our homes and families, over our bodies, over our city. And like, it wasn't like, well, that was then, this is now. It's like, no, that was the way it's supposed to be. And it's a journey since the very beginning of God taking us back to the way it was supposed to be. Genesis chapter 3, you guys, you guys know the story, Adam and Eve, and we screwed the whole thing up. The, the way it was supposed to be is all, well, am I allowed to say it went to the crapper? I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Not sure. Not sure if I can say that in church or not. Genesis chapter 4 and 5. We talked about the multiplication effect of sin. And we saw a glimmer of hope as men started to worship God. And uh, it was the two offerings. You remember um, Cain and Abel and the two offerings. We talked about, about those two offerings. Why one was accepted and one wasn't. And, um, 
Genesis 6 and 7, we talked about Noah and the ark and the flood and, and all of those things. And, uh, and, and I think Pastor like, tried to sing a children's song up here. Tried, tried <laughs> to sing a children's song. I think he said arky, arky, and barky, barky or something. I don't know. So we learned all about that. And then there's a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed this up a little bit. I'm going to tell you there's, there's a few chapters that we're kind of skipping today. And, uh, and so you get to like, have your own. You can actually read the Bible yourself. How about that? Does that sound good? <laughs> um, let, me give, but let me just give you a snapshot of what we're, of what we're missing. Um, Genesis chapter 8, Noah and his family exited the ark, and they built an altar and gave sacrifices to God. And, uh, and, then, and God promised to what? To never flood the earth again. And, uh, and so that was, so that was, that was, you know, all of Genesis eight, Genesis nine. Um, God gave them an assignment, um, and man, every week, every week it comes back to this. And I apologize, but there's something about sex in the Bible, and He said for them to be fruitful and multiply. And um, oh wait, looking at my notes here, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and scatter among it. And, uh, and then uh, partway through chapter 9, um, Noah gets drunk, and one of his sons uh, saw his nakedness. And we're not going to preach on that today. There's a whole deal on that. Um, but it's an interesting story. And, um, and there's a lot of question marks around that story. Of, uh, uh, and I'm just, I just don't have time to, to even dive into some of that. But it would be a great thing for you to research. Google it. Um, that would, uh, and, and you might get a couple. Be careful when you do that. But, but it might uh, it might help. Um, and then there was the sign of the rainbow um, and of, of God's uh, faithfulness. And uh, I just think it's interesting that the rainbow, um, or the original design was, right? God's faithfulness. It's become a couple different things since then. Um, then chapter ten. Um, in fact, as I've looked at it, um, and there's, there's a, can I just be honest with you? There's a couple boring places in the Bible, just boring, and uh, like not a whole lot there to just grab, you know, sink your teeth into. Um, you got to really try. Genesis chapter 10 is one of those, and uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm skipping it, just being honest with you. No. <laughs> so, no, but there's some really good stuff. Actually, in Genesis 10, there's... Uh, it talks about the, the three sons and 70 nations, and, and it's really this, this expanding of the generations and all of that stuff. And there's some good stuff, but it's just, if you like to read the who begat who, um, go there. Um, in Genesis chapter 11, um, um, we're skipping most of it. There's a whole story of the Tower of Babel. And any of you ever heard of the Tower of Babel? And this was like, you know, before this time, Evidently, everyone spoke the same language, and everybody could understand each other. Man, they can get a lot of stuff done if everyone speaks the same language. I always thought that'd be really good in my marriage. So, if we spoke the same language, um, and uh, so, so yeah, so so Genesis eleven, that was that, and then, um, but they were they were unified, they were united, but they were united around their own agenda instead of God's agenda. And that's what happened in Genesis eleven. So God sees that, comes down, looks around, and decides to to um, confuse all the languages and, and scatter them. Um, interesting that they were um, supposed to scatter already. And they decided, well, hey, instead of scattering, why don't we build a city and a tower? And God's like, yeah, that's not what I asked you to do. And so, so that's what happens there. Interesting, just a side note here, um, guess what happens in Acts chapter 2, right? 
in Acts chapter 2, the, it's the, the story of Pentecost. Holy Spirit comes like fire on, on each of their heads, and they spoke in tongues, and the nations came to them and could understand in their own language. You know, in Genesis 11, he scatters and confuses the language. It's interesting how God brings it full circle and redeems, right? He's, he, he, he's got a plan. He's got a plan here, guys. But we're not going to talk about any of that today. Does that sound good? I just want, just want you to know where we're going. At the end of Genesis 11 is where we're going to pick it up. Um, right at the end of 11, we'll be at the beginning of chapter 12. But I wanted to talk to you, just kind of paint the picture for a, a man. I, I heard a sermon recently about Abraham, and uh, the preacher, uh, the title was The Man, the Myth, the Legend. <laughs> just all of, you know, the thing about Abraham, Abraham, um, it, and we could debate this in here. We're not going to since I have the mic and you don't. But but Abraham was, besides Jesus, was probably one of the most pivotal, key people in the entire book of the Bible. I mean, he, he was, I mean, you, we could debate some people like Moses and Elijah and, and Paul and things. But if you really look at it, um, Abraham was a key figure. And we're going to see some things here, and I think it can apply to some, of, to some of our lives here. But just a couple of things, just food for thought. If any of you like, like uh, you know, dumb facts or whatever, you know, you want to you be smarter than your, your friend next to you or your spouse, be like, hey, you know, I, I like that stuff. Because uh, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, just a little rabbit trail. My wife is really smart. And so when I know something more than her, it feels really good. So... Feels really good. She always beats me in like games and stuff. So, anyways, just bear with me. Yeah, I just, is it okay that I go off every once in a while? All right. Abraham was mentioned 311 times in the Bible. Isn't that crazy? He's mentioned 311 times in the Bible, 74 times in the New Testament. He's mentioned 11 out of the 27 New Testament books. He's, he's, he's scattered all throughout there. I mean, Abraham. What, he's a cool dude. All four Gospels mention him, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus himself mentions Abraham um, seven times. The first 2,000 years of human history, um, and we, you see that covered in those first 11 chapters, that uh, spans 2,000 years, Genesis 1 to 11, um, there's no less than 20 generations covered there. Then you, you go to the, to the rest of Genesis from, uh, from 12 on, 12 through 50, and there's about 400 years covered, and it's all about Abraham and his descendants. It's about Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. It's just interesting. The first 11 chapters cover thousands, and then the last you know, 12 through 50, it's 400 years all about Abraham and his descendants. He's... A, he's there's, some, there's something we got to learn about Abraham. There's something we got to know about this guy. The rest of the Old Testament, the entirety of 39 books, deals with the history of the nation which sprang from Abraham, the nation of Israel. All the rest of the entire Bible is occupied with and centers in Abraham's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There are only four men who dominate the greater part of the first book, and I just said that, um, Abraham... Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And their descendants dominate the rest of the entire Bible. So should we buckle up, zero in on this man we call Abraham? This is Abraham's story. This is where it starts. 
Genesis chapter 11, if you're following with me. I think they'll put it on the screen. We're going to just, the last part of 11 and the first part of 12. I'm just going to read it with you right here. This is the genealogy of Terah. And everyone say genealogy. Everyone say boring. <laughs> but, this is, but, but this is good. We have, we have to understand this. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram. And you have to, just pausing here, um, Abram is Abraham, and before he became Abraham, he was Abram, and there was, uh, we're not going to talk about that today, but, but his name changed to Abraham down the road. Um, Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot, and Haran died before his father Terah in his native land, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was uh, Sarai, and and later on, Sarai becomes Sarah. Uh, Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife, um, Milcah. The daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Everyone say amen. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, and they, and they, uh, and they gathered, uh, that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they, de- they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the Terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And just for you to know, um, you remember how a few weeks ago we were, we were talking about how some of these Old Testament people were really, really, really old, like, like 900 and 1,000 years old? This is after the flood, and 75 years is actually getting up there in age right here. Just wanted you to know that, making sure we're all on the same page. So Abraham, 75 years old, this is all happening right now. Isn't that just encouraging to know that God, um, he's never quite done? Like you don't like just pass a, an age when, when you're, when, oh, I guess God can't use me anymore. I always like to say his best is yet to come. Just a big deal to me. All right, here's the, here's the main thought today if you're taking notes. We really can take hold of God's promises. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. We really can take God's promises to the bank. The only thing he asks for in return is obedience and faith. 
we really can take God's promises to the bank. The only thing he asks for in return is obedience and faith. Um, just, uh, I was thinking, I always like to think of some stories just to kind of relate back to my life and things like that. And, and, and there's, they're not always, you know, parallel. But I was just thinking of promises. And, um, and I started, in fact, you know what I thought? I thought, you know what, maybe I should share a little bit of how I break promises. Just so that we can all clear the air here. And uh, so I was just thinking, um, uh, just being real, just being honest with all of you. My, my daughter Kaylee and I, I really try to keep my promises to her. But there's been a few times recently where I've realized I totally broke my promise to Kaylee. Now she's three and a half years old. Maybe she doesn't remember. I don't know. She's pretty smart. But um, like, for instance, we, um, I, I leave to go to work. And uh, almost like clockwork, if she's, if she's around, she says, she says Daddy, would you wave to me? Now we have this big window right out, right by our dining room table, and and the street goes right by the window. And so as I leave, she likes to like wave out the window and wants me to like you know almost get in a car accident, you know. But it's worth it because you know it's my three and a half year old daughter, and it's worth it for her. And so, but. I have this, I don't know, my personality or whatever. Sometimes, like, I'll say yes, I'll wave to you. And by the time I get in the car, all of a sudden, my mind's just thinking about everything I got to do. You know, my to-do list is going, whatever, all this stuff. And I leave, there's times, I leave the driveway, and I'm pulling out, and I don't wave to her. And she's sitting there at the window. Oh, I know, doesn't that, doesn't that stink? Oh, man, you guys are just like, Jonathan, get with the program here. And it's happened multiple times. Ah, and, and she just stands there, just waving as I go by. And then sometimes I'll get the phone call, you know, and it's Becky. Yes, and, but it's really Kaylee. You forgot to wave at me. And I'm just like, it's my fault. I am so sorry. Or I'll come home later that night and I'll hug her and just think everything's great. You forgot to wave, Daddy. You know, I'm just, I'll do it next time. And I, and I really do. I really try. This other day, I, we, uh, we came uh, for church on a Wednesday night. And, and she, um, she was getting ready to have, uh, have her time with all the children and stuff. And she says, Daddy, tonight, would you come in and check on me? which means she just wants me to stick my head in and, like, look and, and see her playing and all that. I said, yeah, no problem. And then, like, like 8.30 pops, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should go check on her. <laughs> you know, that's when it's over. <laughs> it's just, I, you know what I just like about God? I like this. I like that it's a, in fact, it's just a, it's a good thing that he's got great promises, great intentions, and great follow-through. I need to take some lessons from that guy. You guys too? All right. Today we're, we're talking about, um, uh, what, was, what, what, did I, what did I title this? Position for promise is what we're titling this thing. Position for promise. I want to be positioned for the promises of God in my life. And uh, so we're going to start here. Just three things um, that I believe just help us position ourselves for the promises of God. The first one is, you got to understand this, the promises of God ignore your past. The promises of God ignore your past. Um, and I like it saying it this way, your, your, uh, uh, your future is not defined by your past. Did you know that? You know that people disqualify themselves sometimes? Me too, right? You know, because, because we made a mistake or, I mean, it might have even been intentional. We might have just like, you knew exactly what you were doing, Right? 
and you just totally royally messed up and all this stuff. I just love the fact that the promises of God ignore your past. That he's like, deleted. He looks at that and he's like, he, he, like, he reshuffles the deck. And he's like, he's like let's, 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 let's deal out a new hand here. I mean, he's, he, he's good that way. And, and multiple times, it's like the, those GPS units, right? You know, and, and I used to, ha- I used, you know, before you could get it on your phone, I used to have one like that you could put on your dashboard. And, and there was this lady's voice. You could actually like change it for the lady's voice to like sound different. Like it could be like European and all this. I remember um, um, I used to travel across the nation with a bunch of students and interns and we named her Monica. And so Monica would, would be directing us wherever we wanted to go. I just love the fact that, and you know, the GPS, you put your starting point in and your ending point. But you could, like, you could intentionally go off track, and it says, recalculating route. Recalculating, please make a U-turn now. You know? Or you could, like, accidentally go off track. You know? And no matter where you go, Monica knows where you're at. She knows. She remembers the starting point. She remembers the ending point, And you're going to get there. You just might have a have a little bit different path now. Recalculating route. Isn't that good? That's just really good. You know that, that in your life that, that there's many times where God just has to recalculate route. The ending point's still the same. It's a big deal. Uh, my friends uh, Nathan and Kendra Welch, uh, sitting right over here, raise your hands. I called them and asked if I could pick on them this morning, and, and they were gracious and um, and it's uh, and I'm and uh, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but I'm actually going to share a serious story with you. They when they were when they were a lot younger than they are now. You guys are young right now, right? When they were a lot younger in the kind of that high school time frame, uh, they you know uh, Kendra grew up in in church. Actually, grew up in this church. Nathan didn't. In fact, his first experience here, he's like, I don't think I want to go back. <laughs> You know, he, he describes it as there was one of those special speakers there, and 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 it was a little weird. You know, I think they were like jumping through hoops and doing all kinds. Of, you know, like I, I, you know, I grew up in a I'm not I'm, a different flavor of church, <laughs> a, a different flavor, and uh, and so he had that experience, and she had that, and and uh, and, and man, and and Kendra was just like all out, all out, and there was a there was a, a season of their life where where there was some mistakes. And they ended up getting pregnant before they were married, you know, and, and, uh, and all that happened. And, and there were some things even, I mean, imagine even just in a church setting, you know, that can be embarrassing and all that stuff. And, and I remember talking with them and them feeling like, man, I wonder if God could ever use us. I wonder if God could ever, I mean, do you think he could still? And she had like all of these dreams I remember talking to Kendra, like, like missions, like wanting to do missions and wanting to do ministry. And, and, and I remember the, our, some of my first conversations with Nathan, he's like, he's like I don't, you know, whatever, whatever Kendra wants, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, they were, they were just raw right around the edge, that, you know. And, and, but it was this thing, you know, and, and I remember the, the, the question of, uh, you know, because there was a sense of calling before. And then, and then I remember those conversations around the table, like, do you think, like, God could still... I love the fact that God's promises ignore your past. And they're, the, if you don't know, they're like, like just incredible leaders, incredible leaders in our church and leading our youth ministry. Now they're saying, hey, this is the way not to do it. <laughs> Go God. Go God. Abraham was the same way. Let me tell you a little bit about Abraham. Abraham was from Ur of the Chaldeans. Everyone say Ur of the Chaldeans. 
That was uh, Babylon or modern southern Iraq, um, 200 miles south of current Baghdad is where Abraham um, grew up. He was Babylonian. I, I love this. My, um, <laughs> my nephew, um, uh, uh, Becky's uh, sister Sarah's children, um, so my, my nephew Matthew, when he was just a little, little boy, they have these neighbors, and he would, uh, he would go over and just kind of, and they were, old, they were older neighbors, you know, um, and I don't know what old, but to him they were old, you know, and, and so he goes over to their house, and one day he asked them if they were, um, you know, if they went to church, if they were Christians, right? He's this like little fiery evangelist, and, and, they, and they said, well, no, and he's like, well, then what are you, Babylonian? He's like four. I love it. So Abraham was Babylonian. Joshua chapter 24, verse 2 and 3, it says this. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. And let me just share that in English. Abraham's family was idol worshipers. They were Babylonian. That's what you did in Babylonia. I mean, there was all full of like astrology and all this stuff. I mean, it was, it, it, they, there was, their foundations were, um, were a little shady. You know, God could have probably picked somebody with a little bit better pedigree. Amen? Amen. He came from a family of idol worshipers. He wasn't a likely choice to be the father of many nations. And yet, God looks and he's like, hey, what about Abraham? And this is where we start. The promises of God ignore your past. Number two, the promises of God require obedience. Did you know that? That the promises of God require obedience? Now, it's not that God takes back his promises. How many know that he's not like, I'm going to promise that. Ah, I'm not gonna, I, I, I think we're done. He doesn't like take back promises. How many know that? Right? But it's more like this. It's like they're on hold until obedience unlocks them. It's like, they, like he promises it, and it's hanging there in the balance, and, and, and he hasn't taken it back. He's just waiting on obedience to unlock that promise. He's waiting on obedience to, to, for that promise to be fulfilled. Does that make sense? And so, and so uh, you, know, you know, it's kind of like this. You know, like most prophetic words, now, when, when we talk about prophetic, we, we're meaning that uh, prophecy is both foretelling and forthtelling. In other words, prophecy um, talks about the future, and it also declares the truth of God. And there's lots of things, and we're not going to do a whole class on prophecy. You've got to have to you know, do school of the Spirit or something with me. But, but listen to this. Is, 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 so this deal with prophecy, most of the time, most of the time, everyone say most of the time. Most of the time, prophecy is contingent upon obedience. And it's true. It's like God saying, this is going, whoa, hey, all right. <laughs> Sorry, that, I, didn't pl- I didn't plan that today, guys. Didn't plan that. Most of the time, prophecy is contingent on obedience. It's like God saying, I will do this if you do this. You're going to have an intergalactic ministry if you do this. I've got these incredible plans. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to make your name great. Leave your country and your family and your father's household. Oh, that's what, oh, got ahead of myself. It's right here in your Bible. 
promises of God require obedience. Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord said that, what I just said to Abram. He says, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Man, and you got to understand, I mean, Abraham didn't have Bible. Abraham didn't have like a family history of spirituality. This was most likely the first encounter with God. The first words ever spoken to Abraham from God. This was, this was the first time. And his first encounter with God was, leave everything you ever have known. Huge. Um, I, I don't have um, that specific of a story, but there's a couple things I think about. Uh, I think about like when Becky and I, um, our story of moving here to Kearney, um, I've told a lot of you some of our story, but just there's a, there's a specific part of it. I remember um, gathering the, the information from God and, and these sources. Excuse me, sorry. Um, you know, when, when, when you make a decision, when you're, when you're hearing from God, you want to know that you know that it's God, yeah, right? And, and so, especially like these big decisions, I'm just like, I don't want to like just guess on this, right? About moving to Kearney, Nebraska, of all places. I don't want to get, you don't want to just, you don't want to be wrong on that one, right? Just, you know, you guys are like nervously and nodding. <laughs> He's just making fun of our city. It's my city now too, guys. Come on. So, so we, we didn't want to be wrong. So we were, we were asking God about all this stuff and we had, we had lots of information. We had prophetic words. We had prophetic dreams. We, I mean, all the circumstances were lining up. There was peace, all this stuff. And, um, and I was still unsure. We were, in fact, that we had set up a time to just come out and visit Carney, visit the church, all this, the board, and all, everything. And, and my attitude was, well, we'll just go check it out. We're just going to go check it out. We're just going to go see. Just see if, see if we like it. We're just going to see if we like it. See if, see if it jibes with who we are. If the personality of the church, if we, if we like the people, if the city, if we could raise a family there. All these types. We were just going through kind of those logical things that, that, that many of us do. And I remember my Uncle Rick saying, like, do you know what you're supposed to do, Jonathan? And I said, yeah. He's like, don't you think you should have a yes in your spirit before you ever go then? Like, who cares? Like, what if you don't like the city? What if you don't like the church? Like, who cares, Jonathan? If you know you're supposed to go, then shouldn't you go with a yes? Shouldn't you decide before they decide? So that was our position. Becky and I came together in prayer, and we decided, you know what? We know what we're supposed to do. So there was a yes in our A little bit there. At least we knew kind of a general direction of the geography. Abraham was like, just leave, <laughs> you know? But that was our story. I've mentioned, uh, I mentioned before about writing a book. I'm actually done with the manuscript, and it's all, it's all done and ready, and, and I've been waiting on a few things to get in place to publish it. But... Um, there's some of the prophetic destiny in my life. There's some things about this book that there's promises surrounding this book that the Lord's spoken to me. And yet, you know, those promises hang in the balance until I have fully obeyed. Maybe some of you can relate. I love Abraham's response to this. There was no explanation and no question. No explanation from God, no question from Abraham. He says, go to a place I'll show you. You know, God sometimes wants us to move before he shows us where we're going. 
You know it's hard to steer a parked car? Have you ever realized that? In fact, sometimes the steering wheel will lock up when you try to steer a parked car. It's almost impossible to steer a parked car. Like sometimes you've got to get moving in order to be steered in the right direction. I think there's sometimes that um, we're so afraid of missing God's voice that we do nothing. Oh, can I say that one more time? I think there's sometimes that we're so afraid of missing God's voice that we do nothing. And there's sometimes he just says, move. There's sometimes where he just says, start moving so that I can direct you. But there's also another kind of principle here in this, in this section. Um, can I remind you that Abraham's family was idol worshipers? You know, the environment that Abraham grew up, grew up in, it may have not been conducive to the promises of God being fulfilled in his life. And, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a thing here, you know, um, sometimes, uh, it, wouldn't you, m- m- parents, let me just, parents, you understand this. Don't you want your kids, if they're going to go and be in an environment that's like not the environment of your home, you want them to be the strong friend? Right? You want them to be the one that changes the atmosphere instead of the atmosphere changing them? Does that make sense? You know, I wonder a little bit about this. If, you know, if, if God just knew that in order for Abraham to fully come into agreement with the promises of God in his life, that he had to have a drastic change. I wonder if he just knew that Abraham had to leave the lifestyle of idol worshiping in order to walk into the promises and blessings of his life. And so sometimes... I think God asked you, you know, and maybe he's asking you today to make a drastic change. Maybe it's even change of location. Maybe it's a change of friends or family in order for his promises and blessings to be fulfilled. Now, I mean, obviously, I've got to now have a parenthetical insert here because I just said change of family, right? <laughs> you know, like some of you are like, oh, good, I can leave my spouse. That's great. <laughs> that's been an unhealthy environment, let me tell you. No, that's, it's just, uh, that's, not, that's not Bible, okay? That's not, that's not, there's some things that, that, we just, that we have to press through, that we have to just uh, put our, our big boy pants on and big girl pants on and press through with, with the Holy Spirit and, with, and all those types of things. And, and there's, there's, a couple, there's a couple places in Scripture where you're able to um, be for God, be clean before God to, uh, to leave a marriage. But most of it, most of it is, you know, you know the, the unreconcilable differences, right? <laughs> Have you ever heard of those? Yeah. Can I, and I, I love you. Can you. You guys know I love you, right? You know, in this room, I'm guessing that there's at least one that's been divorced. All right? So we're all just family here. I'm not, like, shooting this at you. But, gosh, can we just look at me for a second? Other than a couple places in the Bible about, about unfaithfulness and things like that, like, you're supposed to stick it out. Just wanted you to know that. So this isn't, I'm not telling you that, that, well, maybe you should just leave your family. I'm not saying that. But there may be something in your life. There may be a friend that you're not being the influencer and they're influencing you. There may be a work environment where you're not being the influencer and it's influencing you. There may be something in your life where you could relate, at least in part, to Abraham's story where God says, leave in order for you to come into the full agreement of the promises on your life. Does that make sense? All right. There you go. 
Genesis 12, verse 4, it says this, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. I just love it. There's not a lot of commentary here around these verses. There's not a lot of discussion. It's just, okay, I'll leave. And I love that. And I want that for you. I want that for me. That if God gives me something hard and says, Jonathan, here's the directive. I want my heart to say, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to leave. Hebrews 11, the, the chapter par excellence on faith. In fact, some people call it the hall of faith is Hebrews chapter 11. It says this in verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place with, uh, which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And there's a few other verses there. I think they have it on the screen. You know, in this matter of obedience and disobedience, watch this. You can walk out from under the blessings of God. Did you know that? Disobedience, you can walk out from under the blessings of God. But did you know that you can also walk back under the blessings of God? I love that. I've got I've to hit it straight in here. I've gotta, I, I can't, like, hold back and, and candy coat things. So, like, there's some of you probably in this room that you're not walking in the blessings of God for whatever reason. And we could just, like, list a bunch of sins right now, right? You know? Like maybe this, especially the top ten ones. Those ones are, those ones are doozies. There's, there's things where you just know that I've been walking in disobedience. And it could be all kinds of stuff. It could even be financially. It, maybe there's disobedience in, in, in the way God's asking you to, to steward your money. It could be disobedience and just straight up sin and all this stuff. But the good news is this. All you have to do is start obeying. And you can right underneath the umbrella of the blessings of God. I love it. Just turn around. God asks for radical obedience and unwavering faith. God asks for radical obedience and unwavering faith. I love that the blessing, you remember we, we read the blessing of, uh, over Abraham, you know, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, 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 great. You know, like, oh, I love that part. And, but this blessing was contingent upon obedience. I like the, um, the New American Standard Bible, a little bit more of a literal version. Um, it, he tells Abraham to leave, and he says this, and I will make your name great. In other words, it was, it was here's, here's what I'm commanding you to do, and if you do this, then I will. And, and, and so everything was hanging into, in the balance of Abraham choosing to leave or not to leave. He's promised blessing and fame, and he's commanded also to be a blessing. You shall be a blessing. You shall be. So I love this. We're not going to take a ton of time on like, you know, wealth mindset and poverty mindsets and all this. But listen to this. He wants to bless you. And he wants you to be a blessing. He wants to bless you. And he wants you to be a blessing. I love what Bill Johnson out in Reading, he he talks about this. He just comes with a real balanced approach to this whole thing. Listen, he says, he says, wouldn't it be silly for you to eat your seed he says, wouldn't it be silly for you to plant your bread? Right? He's like, so there's things that God blesses you with that are for you to enjoy, for you to eat. And there's things that God blesses you with that are designed for it to pass right through you to bless somebody else. 
And he's like, and, and that's the place we want to be. I think it's an error for us to believe that everything that comes to me, I'm supposed to give away. I'm supposed to just live in poverty. And it's an error for me to believe that everything that comes my way is just for me. And so for you to understand and just go before the Lord and say, God, what's mine and what's not mine? What's for me to keep and what's for me to give away? Last thing, number three, the promises of God trump impossibilities. The promises of God trump impossibilities. Sarai, and I actually like Googled how to, I actually listened to like a, 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 you know, you can go in as far as like how words are pronounced and I had to listen to it back. Sarai or Sarai. Sarai or Sarai. So I picked Sarai. Anyways, (laughs) there's two ways. Sarai was barren. In other words, she couldn't have children. And Sarai, her name was changed uh, to Sarah later on. Genesis 11, verse 30 says that, that Sarah, Sarai was barren. Um, so Abraham, you imagine him thinking, uh, one problem, God, on this whole blessing thing, about the father of many nations, about make your name great, I'll make you an, all these. Uh, my wife, she can't have kids. And it's like, it, it, first of all, Abraham doesn't have that conversation with God. It doesn't even cross his mind. And secondly, God totally ignored the impossibilities. The promises of God trump impossibilities. There are many women in the Bible that were barren and miraculously conceived. Sarai, we talked about her, Rebecca. In fact, it was interesting that there was a whole generation of women. There was, there was Sarai, there was Rebecca, and there was Rachel. There was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And their wives all were barren and all miraculously conceived. Really interesting. And there's a few others. Manoah's wife in Judges 13, Hannah in 1 Samuel 1, and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1. You know, barrenness was considered a disgrace back then. Some even thought it was a curse from God. And so this, it wasn't just, just a miracle uh, as far as the baby, it was also something where God was, was like even just speaking into the identity of these women. It was huge. The promises of God trump impossibilities. This was a central theme in the story of Abraham and Sarah. We'll read later in Genesis 21 and 25. Oh, I mean Genesis 21, I'm sorry. In Genesis 21, um, in fact, I think I had Leslie put it wrong in the notes. I apologize. That's not, it's my fault, not yours, okay? Does that sound good? <laughs> She's like, Phew. Genesis 21, um, 25 years later, Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah was 90, and this was old back then, just to remind you. In fact, the Bible says Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Everyone say, past the age. Any of you women know what that age is? I don't know what the age is, but whatever that age is. She was past the age, and the promise hadn't been fulfilled yet. And as she was past the age, at 90 years old, the promise was still hanging in the balance. And they were still wondering, will this ever happen? Any of you wondering, will this ever happen? Any of you ever have things that God promises you and you're just wondering, man, it's been, it's been like three days. <laughs> man, it's been a whole week, God. <laughs> Abraham, he's like, it's been 25 years, God. In fact, there were times 
you read later where Abraham justifiably kind of took some things into his own hands. You know, it wasn't, wasn't right, but thought, you know what? God's promise was that I should do this. I guess I should probably help him out a little bit. And he had sex with his, uh, his wife's maidservant, and they had uh, Ishmael. And Ishmael, um, the whole um, Middle East, Arab nation, all that stuff, just it all comes from, from Ishmael. Just really interesting to see, you know, when you, take, when you take matters into your own hands to try to fulfill the promise of God, things don't always go the way you planned. But Abraham's a good dude. What happens when in the natural it seems that there's no way for God's promises to be fulfilled? Man, we, I would imagine if you haven't been there that you will be sometime. When you're sitting there and you're just thinking, I know the promise but I just don't think there's any way for this. To, I mean, there is, in the natural, there is no way. Have you ever said that? In the natural, there is no way for there to be a miracle here. There is no, this is just impossible. This, this is impossible. That's where they were at. I remember, um, and I've shared, I've shared tons about Becky and my story of, of children and all that, and, and so I'm just going to just, just briefly touch on, on Aria. Um, Man, you, some of you know just the, the problems we had with miscarriages. I think we have six babies that are in heaven through miscarriage and all those things. And, man, just rips your heart out, right? And, um, in fact, we actually came to a point. We were sitting at our, at our dining room table, and um, my aunt and uncle were sitting there with us, and we were just discussing, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe it'd be okay if we just stop trying. This is just us. This isn't, I'm not like preaching this as doctrine or theology, but just for our story. Like maybe we should just, I mean, this is hard. It's, I mean, it's hard on, any, any women know that's hard on a, on a woman's body? You know, just those types of things. And man, and just hard emotionally. And, just, and, and, then, and then, you know, the, our marriage and just, you know, just like, gosh, man. It could be a good idea. I mean, just for our sanity, just for, like maybe we should just, just kind of give up. And it might have been an okay, you know, that's just our story. I don't know what, where your guys' story is at, but it might have been. So for us, we were really contemplating that. And, um, and you guys know the rest of the story that we conceived Aria, and there's a whole, man, oh my goodness. There's a whole journey even with Aria. I mean, I told you guys like that first doctor's appointment, and, and we're just, you know, well, it looks like we're going to have to do a DNC. In other words, like, you know, remove the pregnancy. And we're just like, you know. And, and then he goes in, does the ultrasound, and, like, the baby's, like, the heartbeat. And we're just like, oh, thank God. I mean, and from there, just watching the journey, even through the pregnancy. And then I remember Aria being born. And, you know, it was emotional with Kaylee, but it was emotional with Aria for a different reason because I was just holding the promise, you know. I was just holding... Like, man, it's been a long journey. <laughs> you know? Man, it's been a long journey. Man, we almost gave up. Man, we, this, uh, this is real. <laughs> and then she, like, cried for six weeks straight. Oh, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother deal right there. So maybe some of you in this room, um, maybe you've stepped out from under the blessings of favor, in favor of God. In fact, Pastor Kelly, if you want to get ready and, Take us into some worship here in a minute. I imagine in a room this size and people in this room, I imagine that there's some of you that have stepped out from underneath the favor and blessing of God for whatever reason. 
probably disobedience. And maybe today's the day for you to step back under his favor. Maybe today's the day. I love that all you have to do is just start obeying again. I love that there's not like this 12-step process of, you know, like it's just like, no, just get back in line. Just get back in line. Maybe for you in this room, it's just been a long time since, since God promised something and it's not here yet. It's just been a long time. Or maybe in the natural, it just seems impossible. And, and like that guy that came to Jesus, he just said, Lord, I believe, but help my own belief. So as they start here, would you just like present yourself before the Lord? I don't know where you're at here, but maybe some of you in here, you're just like, gosh, I just want to walk into the blessing again. Maybe you just need to say, Lord, what do I need to do to walk into your blessing again? I just want to walk into your favor again, God. Maybe some of you just need to kind of recommit your faith and say, man, I know you promised this, Lord, 10 years ago or five years ago and I haven't seen it yet. I just want to just let you know I still believe. Any of you just need to tell God today, I still believe? Maybe just in your heart right now, you just need to say, God, I still believe. I still believe. I still believe, God. Lord, I see all the impossibilities. I see everything in the natural. There's just no way for this to happen, but I still believe, God. I still believe. I still believe. Could we stand together and uh, just worship the Lord for a few minutes here?